and he hits on us anyway, right? So he gets one more week, and then we'll take a shot back at him next week. Let's do this. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us tonight. And and, uh, as we continue our study through the great doctrines of the Bible, angelology. Father, we sure do love you tonight. Thank you for the privilege it is, Lord, to to just be able to open your word, to study from it, Lord, and and Lord, to, to do the approach we're doing, Lord, not to take what we've heard or what we've somebody else said or uh, Lord, outside parties have said, or even even books or songs, but Lord, to look in your book, into the Word of God, and and pull out of it, Lord, uh, the truths and the doctrines that, Lord, make up what we believe. So help us tonight as we continue to do that, and again, study angels, and we just praise you uh, for the greatest uh, miracle of all, and that was, of course, Jesus, Lord, and his death, his burial, his resurrection that makes eternal life possible. For whosoever shall call upon his name. Bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we started angelology and, and started looking at what does the Bible say about angels. We talked about why we should study them and, and uh, lots of reasons because God mentions them quite a bit. 250 or 76 times, something like that. Crazy amount of times we looked at last week. We, we talked about the, the reaction to the truth of angels. That, that there's really two sides of it. Some people allegorize everything about them and, and go to town on it and everything's mystical. And, and uh, the other side of the roads, people kind of get to the point where they don't talk about it at all, like, the, like it doesn't exist. Obviously, it's in the Word of God, so they exist. And so we want to stay balanced and stay in the, the middle of the road. And then, and then we really got into really the... What, what some of the truths about angels and you see some of those uh i gave you kind of a review on the front of your page of the things we looked up and, and pulled from the word of god last week concerning angels some of them uh, would just help us get these basic truths and and we answered some of these questions we said have angels always been and we found and we learned from the word of god no that they were created uh, uh we know that they're going to live forever uh, but they were created. They did indeed have a starting point, and that only God is eternal and everlasting. We looked at that, and we looked at uh, uh, when they were created, and we started looking at some of that. And, and to answer that question, we we certainly don't know. The Bible's not a hundred percent sure, or not a hundred percent doesn't tell us a hundred percent on that. But if you look at Job, and you look at Job chapter thirty-eight and verse number seven, it seems to indicate that angels were created before he created the world as we know it in those six literal days of creation in Genesis because the Bible talks about them the angels singing and shouting at the creation of the world and so they must have been there to see it already and we talked about who created angels and and we know obviously the creator of all things uh, the Godhead as a whole did but we know Jesus specifically was the creator of all things and the Bible makes that uh, abundantly clear and we looked up the verses for that uh we talked about the things, do people become angels? You know, some of the myths that are out there. And, and, um, and you know, certainly don't, uh, our, our goal is not to burst anybody's bubble, but it is to pull out of the Bible truth. And since we know angels are spirit beings, we, and we understand they were created and all that was created at a point in time, and they're done, and people do not become angels. And so the Bible, the Bible distinguishes between spiritual bodies and between natural bodies. And, uh, and angels are certainly distinct from human beings and the Bible makes that clear we learned that angels aren't given in marriage they don't procreate and uh, and we looked at some of those truths and uh, we also talked about how many angels are there and uh, and I gave you a, we looked up a bunch of verses and then I gave you the last one that says they're innumerable I should have just started there right <laughs> uh, they're innumerable the Bible says in Hebrews 12 verse 22 we looked at truth do we have a guardian angel and uh, to to my surprise even and 
And maybe some of yours is, not only do we have one, the Bible seems to say that there were angels watching over us, at least as children. And so uh, there, there could be even more than one. We're, we're just, you know, it seems to be there's two assigned to every child on earth. So uh, how long does that last? I don't know, but it certainly started at one point. Matthew 18.10 says that. And then we talked about why angels appear uh, in the Bible in the masculine gender. They, they really don't appear to have any sexual distinction in their natural state, and they certainly don't marry. And then we finally ended last week with, do they have wings? And we looked at two specific uh, types of angels. We'll see a little more about them tonight, but seraphim and cherubims, and certainly they had wings in the Bible. One had four, one had six. And, and uh, then we talked about the idea, are they real wings, or were they what the Bible, what theologians sometimes call anthropomorphisms? And that's God using terms to help us understand uh, things in the human realm, things like the arm of God and, the, and things like that, the hand of God. Did he mean, were the wings really uh, physical wings or were they uh, just words like that? And I don't know the answer to that. I, I kind of think they were physical wings, but, uh, but that's, a, that's a two different views of the potential of that. So tonight we're going to get into a little more of the breakdown on, on angels. Uh, we'll look at some of their characteristics. We'll look at their ministry. That's a very important. Why were they created? What's their purpose? Uh, and uh, what's their condition? And we'll even see that there's two types of angels as we'll look at tonight at the end, uh, the fallen and the unfallen, the angels of God and the angels of Satan. And that'll set us up real good for next week's look at Satan. So, so if you're with me now, let's get started tonight. Look at the characteristics of angels, the characteristics. What is their purpose? Well, their primary purpose is similar to our primary purpose. It's just to worship God, it's to, it's to serve God. And primarily what they do is they serve God in the administration of his will for us. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 7 tells and and the angels he saith who maketh his angels spirits. And we understand they're spirits. And then in chapter 1 verse 14 he says are they not all ministering spirits? And look what it says. Sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. And so who's the heirs of salvation? That's the ones who believe in Jesus Christ, the ones who have a point in time in their life where they realize that they're a sinner separated from a holy God, and, and they turn and they put their trust completely in the fact that Jesus died for them and was buried rose again, get saved by the grace of God, and, and you become heir of salvation at that point when you become a child of God. So, so what's an angel to do? An angel is, it, it ministers in our lives in, in multiple ways, uh, uh, the will of God for our lives and, and helps us, guides us, protects us. We'll see some of that later. And so think about that. God, God created a spirit being with the idea of being his helper to minister unto us. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Uh, that's a God that loves us, isn't it? We know how much he loves us. We think about Calvary and we think about what he did as he shed his blood and took his beating for us. But, but thinking about it, he created before we were even born. Most likely, as we looked at when they were created, he created angels to minister for, uh, to us. And what a, what a great thing. Ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. So we see their purpose is to worship, to serve God. And we'll see more of that as we go. But think about their privileges. Think about some of the privileges angels had that uh, one day we'll have. They got to congregate in God's presence. Isn't that pretty cool? <laughs> I know we get to spiritually, but I, I mean, they, they got to in a, 
in a more of a physical sense. Over in Job chapter 1, verse 6, the Bible says there was a, there was a day when the sons of God, uh, uh, that would be angels in that context in this particular passage, came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And they got to be in his presence. They, they got to behold his wonder, and the, the wonder of uh, uh, creation and salvation. In Job chapter 38, verse 7, we saw that last week, but he was going through and talking about the creation of the world. And then it says, when the morning stars sang together, those angels, and the Son of God shouted, sons of God, there, those angels shouted for joy. They got to see the creation of the world and, and uh, even the wonders of salvation. And I like how it was put in Matthew 18, verse 10. And this is, I don't know about you, this is what I'm looking forward to one day. The angels literally got to behold, behold the face of God. Listen to what it says in Matthew 18, verse 10. Take heed that you despise not one of the little ones, for I say unto you, that in heaven their angels, remember, angels to the little ones, at least two, right, plural, do always, look what it says they're doing, do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. They get to literally behold the face of God. I don't know about you, one day, I, I don't know when, Maybe if it turns in the clouds, we'll go tonight. Maybe if I take my last breath tonight, or maybe I'm here for another 49 years. I don't know, but one day, whenever the Lord says it's time, I get to go behold his face. How about you? Looking forward to that. And so, so they had some great privileges, if you think about it. See their purposes and their privileges, but look on with me. Not just their characteristics tonight. I want you to see their conditions. And when they were, at least at creation, when they were created, they were specifically termed holy. The holy angels. Uh, listen to Mark chapter 8, verse 38. The Bible says, Whosoever sh therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words, Jesus said, in this adulterous and sinful generation of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And they're specifically called holy. And you think about their condition. And, but not only their likeness here compared to God, their limits, limitations compared to God. Uh, you know, they, they're very much like God. God's holy, right? <laughs> holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the angels were created holy as well. And, but they're limited when you compare them to God, too. We've learned through, this, through our study here about some characteristics about God. Three fundamental things that uh, really only, only Godhead possesses. And that is the omnipotence, all-powerful. The omnificent, uh, that means the all-knowing and omnipresent, means everywhere, anywhere, all at one time. And, and so you think about those, the, the angels are limited in that. They can't be those three things. Uh, so when we talk about their limitations compared to at least God Almighty, the, they have a limitation of space. They're not omnipresent. They can't be everywhere at all times. Over in Daniel chapter 9, verse 21, the Bible says, Yea, was speaking in prayer, even the, angel, or the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision at the beginning, being caused, uh, I don't know about yours, or yours, but mine just went crazier. Let me look it up in my, did yours have something weird put in there? My copy and paste or something? <laughs> I'll have to look it up. Here we go. Uh, yet while I was speaking in prayer, even the man, uh, the man Gabriel whom I had seen in a vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, is what's supposed to be there, touched me at the time of the evening oblation. And so uh, here we're talking about the idea of he had prayed, and the angel Gabriel, listen, was flying, had to fly, had to come to him, if that makes sense. In other words, couldn't be everywhere at one time. 
is, that, is what, what the, the Bible's saying there. And so we learned that angels aren't omnipresent. They can't be everywhere at one time at all times. And, uh, and we see that there. Uh, they must travel from space to get to one place to another, just like you and I do. I don't know about you, but it'd be nice if I could just snap my fingers and be there, right? be nice if I could be at home in the bed and here right now that'd be pretty cool and uh, but but we're not omnipresent only God is and it's the angels are the same way uh, so there's a limitation of space there's a limitation of powerful power too angels angels are certainly powerful because uh, you think about at the tomb the Bible describes to angels as rolling away that great tomb and uh, in Matthew 28 verse 2 and behold there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Now you read about that and you study a little about that. Most will say the stone that was rolled from the day was at least one, thick, uh, one foot thick, at least. Eight foot in diameter. And you do some math on a stone that's that big, you're going to get around four tons. So angels are powerful. Would you all agree with that? <laughs> if you can move that. And, uh, uh, but, they're, but they're not all powerful. They're, they're not all omnipotent. In fact, they're limited, and Peter says this, whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, uh, bring not really an accusation, accusation against them before the Lord. There's some things that angels don't have the power to do. And, and so we have a limitation compared to God, a limitation of, of power, a limitation of space, and then a limitation of knowledge. And we certainly know angels are not omnificent. They don't know everything is what that word means, as we've studied before. Uh, in fact, we saw in Matthew uh, chapter 24, verse 36, that, but of that day and hour, talking about when the Lord's coming, knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only, Jesus said. So they don't know everything. Uh, just like you and I don't know everything. And that's why we have to study and, and learn what we can study from scriptures. And uh, So they don't know when Jesus is coming back. Only the Father does. Yeah, they are not omnipotent. But how about this? I like 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse 11. Because one of the things they desire to know, it seems from Scripture, is, and it makes sense that they have a desire for this because they can't understand it. Angels don't have a soul. They're not going to be saved like we are. They're really interested in redemption uh, and understanding that. In fact, read that with me. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 11. The Bible says, Searching what? Or what manner of time in the Spirit, uh, 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 what matter of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto, unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Look what it says at the end. Which things the angels desire to look into. The angels desire to understand what salvation's all about and redemption's all about. They don't get it like we do. If you've been saved by the grace of God tonight, listen, it's hard to explain to someone else, uh, put into words what he did for you. But how many of you know, listen, when your sins have been forgiven, when they've been cast as deep as the depths of the ocean, as far as the east is from the west, that, that relief, that's all, that, that, that guilt that God takes from us, isn't that the most wonderful feeling ever? The angels see us. The angels understand our rejoicing and and I know a lot of times they, the, the, we, we say this, and you've heard it in songs too, the, the angels are rejoicing in heaven when one gets saved. Read that carefully. There's a rejoicing amongst the angels in heaven when one comes to repentance. Who's amongst the angels? 
They're always beholding the face of who? God. Is it the angels rejoicing when we get saved? Or is it Jesus himself? Something to think about. I don't know. I'm not there. I don't know yet. But think about that. If they don't fully understand it, they seek to know those things. They desire to look into it. It might just be Jesus himself up there when we think about that. Uh, just good, good thoughts to ponder on sometimes. So what do angels do then? We, we've learned a little bit about them. We learn what their purpose is. What's their ministry? And specifically, what's their ministry to us? You, we, we learned earlier that, that, uh, that one of their primary purposes is to, to carry out God's will or to, to, be, uh, to work in our lives, to take care of us in different ways. Well, how do they minister to us? So let's look at some of those ways as we look, look at some of the things to do. Well, the ministry of angels, they minister to us. Uh, we've already looked at that, Hebrews 1.14. Are they not all ministering spirits, serving God on our behalf? And, uh, sent forth to, to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Again, who's that? That's believers. Think about that. What a double blessing we have. The Holy, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God ministering to our spiritual needs, and we have angels around us taking care of our physical needs. Isn't that cool to think about? Uh, how God just takes care of his people, and he certainly does. So they minister to us. They watch over us. You know, you go through the Bible, you'll find plenty of examples where the angels are watching over first the apostles over in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9. He said, for I think that God hath set forth us, uh, sent, set forth us the apostles last as if it were appointed to death. For we made a spectacle, we were made a spectacle unto the world and to the angels and to men. Spectacle there is a word that literally comes from a word that means theater, a place in, where they had games or dramatic spectacles were exhibited, public assemblies held. And so the, the angels there were are watching those over those apostles. And how about the angels watching over the church, Ephesians 3, verse 10, to the intent that now unto the, unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. And so principalities and powers, if you go study that, in heavenly places. That's speaking of the, the hosts of angels that, that, that exist, and, uh, and uh, either the fallen or unfallen, as we've seen before, but, uh, or we'll see more of as we go tonight. But in this case, the, the unfallen angels, the ones that, that serve God, and it says, unto the tents now, to the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known the church, the manifold wisdom of God, watching over the church. And they certainly watch over pastors and and at least the ones who preach sound doctrine and the word of God. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful we have one of those, aren't you? And uh, it says, let the elders be that rule be counted worthy of double honor, especially those that labor in the word and doctrine. But 1 Timothy 5.21 says this, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one another, doing nothing by partiality. They're, they seem to be assigned to watching over the pastors and uh, and again they watch over the reward of for believers look at matthew chapter 16 verse 27 for the son of man shall come in the glory of his father with his angels and then he shall reward every man according to his work so they seem to be watching over that and and we know this they also protect us i don't know about you but i'm thankful for that uh, i need all the protection i can get but uh, the psalmist said psalm 91 verse 11 said for he shall give his angel charge over thee to keep thee in all the all thy ways they shall bear thee up with their hands lest thou dash thy foot against a stone and, and we're thankful that there's angels given to protect us and we see that and 
So we think about all the, the ministry of angels and what they do and how God uses them to minister to the heirs of his salvation, uh, those of us as believers. And we see some of those wonderful things they do. They also do this. They reveal God's plan. While God's the author, agents were all, angels were all, often used as the agents that revealed God's plan to the world. Think about some of the things that we've learned, you can learn from your Bible, and how we got them. Things like this, uh, they revealed end times to Daniel. You go read in, in the book of Daniel and you, you learn about some of the end time events that are going to come in Daniel 9 and verse 21, for example. It says, Yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, we're going to see Gabriel later, that's one of the named angels, whom I had seen in a vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me. What's he doing? He's revealing something to him. The angel Gabriel's informing him. And talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly loved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision and you start there and you go all the way through Daniel chapter 12 and you're going to find everything that he revealed to Daniel concerning the end times to come and way back in the Old Testament. And that was God used angels as, again, his ministering spirits to, to give that revelation to De Daniel in that case. How about John? You read the book of Revelation. Revelation 1.1 says, The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his what? Angel unto the servant John. So many of the things we know about end times that are coming, and boy, and I'm not one of those that lives in end times in the newspaper, and we'll get the end times in a couple of weeks, but, uh, but I, am, I am telling you, it's, it's shorter than it's ever been. We'll just say it that way, amen. And uh, the angels revealed that to John. They revealed it to Daniel, we see. By the way, they're the ones who revealed the birth of Christ to Joseph, too. Think about what angels have done, these messengers revealing things before they happened. And over Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, but while he thought on these things, talking about Joseph, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto, uh, unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. So we see the, some of the, the things that they do and, and some of the ways that their ministries, they minister to us, they watch over, they protect us, they reveal God's plan. They, they also provide for us when we have a need. One of my favorite passages is over in 1 Kings 19. I love to preach out of that passage. It's, it's so rich on, on where we live, I think, many times in our lives and have so many different helps for us. But one of the things that were happening there was, uh, was uh, God's mighty prophet, Elijah. He had just, in the chapter before, just had the, the mighty victory and uh, defeated the prophets of Baal, called down fire from heaven, which consumed the sacrifice. Y'all remember that? That wonderful, powerful thing that happened there. Then you get to 1 Kings 19, and, and he had gotten a threat from, from uh, King Ahab's wife, Jezebel, said she was going to kill him within a day, and he's in a place of, uh, of discouragement, if you would. And he's there, and he's in that place of discouragement, and hasn't eaten and he's hiding under a juniper tree and look what God does God uses an angel to feed him to provide for him uh, when he had a need and he provided food for him look at first Kings 19 verse 5 there the Bible says and as he lay and slept under a juniper tree behold then then an angel touched him 
and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake, bacon on the coals, and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink, and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came unto him again the second time, and touched him, and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And of course, he did arose and eat, ate and uh, eat and drink, and went in the strength of the of that meat forty days, forty nights, and Horeb, the mountain of God. And so God provided for Elijah through an angel when he had a need. How many of you thankful that he does the same? Think about this for just a moment. The Bible tells us over in the book of Hebrews. He said, I don't think I've ever, an angel's never provided it for me. How do you know? The Bible makes abundantly clear we've all entertained angels unaware. Y'all know that verse? How do we know? I don't, I don't know how many angels, one, two, fifty, hundred, that I've ever met in my life. I don't know. But it says we've all entertained angels unawares. That means you and I have at some point or another. How many times have you had a need provided? How many times have you had uh, just, just something either miraculously supernatural or even not even supernatural, just, just uh, unexplained happened to you, just out of the blue, where a need was met, where maybe, a, uh, you know, if you think about that, where you were protected. Uh, sometimes we might even know about that, certainly being watched over. How many times has an angel ministered in our lives? I wish I knew that answer, don't you? I bet it's way more than we understand. I don't know this, and I don't like to go into hypothetical. As you can tell, we just try to pull out of Scripture pretty straightforward. I know it's not real, uh, real fanatical and exciting all the time, but we're just pulling out what it says and applying those truths. But I, I'm just convinced, though, I'll tell you personally, there's been some times that something happened, and it would frustrate the fire out of me, and I'd be a little late or... You know, somebody's going too slow, or I got out of the house late, or something broke at the house and I had to fix that, or something before I left. And next thing you know, I'm late. And you ever been going down the road and there's this huge accident? You ever run up on that? Who knows? It looks fairly new, like it had happened. I can't say this for sure, but maybe there's an angel protecting me there, right? How many times? I would just wonder. But we don't know. We can't see all that, right? Uh, remember. Uh, uh, Elisha prayed to open the servant's eyes to see what was all around them. We looked at that last week. And uh, How many times has he done it in our lives that we're just not even aware of? But That's why we trust God's word, right? That's why we go to that. And he says, hey, they minister to us. They watch over us. They, uh, they, they protect us. They, uh, they certainly reveal God's plan. And a lot of what we have is from that. And they provide when we have a need. And here's another thought that we learned from Scripture that they're going to do. One day, as a believer... When your time ends, my Bible says they're going to they're gonna carry us into heaven. In fact, they carried Lazarus' spirit uh, at that point into Abram's bosom. Look at uh, Luke chapter 16, verse 22. The Bible says there, and it came to pass that the, the beggar died and, and was carried by the angels into Abram's bosom. The rich man also died, and the Bible just says he was buried. And next verse is not very good. And in hell he did lift up his eyes in torment, the Bible goes on to say. But that, that beggar, the one that had believed, that had trusted in Christ, the Bible says that angels carried him into what was known as Abraham's bosom, also paradise at the time. Today it would be straight shot right where Jesus is, right back to the glory of heaven. And So think about that, what they did for the, that believer, they do for us. And so one day we're going to get escorted, amen? And uh, 
and angels are going to they're going to escort us. Uh, really, wasn't even escorted. We get carried. It says uh, on to heaven by the mighty angels of God, and thankful they'll carry us to heaven. Now, they ain't getting there. There, we're not going there because of them, right? We're going there because of what we had already trusted in. But again, they're God's ministering spirits unto the believers, and so we look at some of their purposes, and uh, thank God for them. When you think about that, it's hard to hard to be thankful for something you can't completely see or understand but but thank god they're there thank god he tells us how he uses them and thank god that he has uh angels to to serve at his beck and call so what then is the classifications of them we start looking at that then we got to start breaking it down a little more as we get ready even to head in next week the classifications of angels and look there with me two distinct classes i'm gonna you could do this a bunch of different ways that just made it really simple we have the angels of god and the angels of Satan, the ones that uh, haven't fallen and the ones that have fallen. And uh, that's the, the two distinct classifications, the way I like to break it down. So as we look at the first one is this, angels of God, the unfallen angels, the ones that are those ministers of God unto us. And, and let's look at some of those. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 21, Paul writes here to Timothy, he says, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels, that thou observe these things without preferring one another, doing nothing but part by partiality. Uh, so the angels of God, it tells us. And, uh, about Genesis chapter 28, verse 12. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of who? Well, the angels of God, ascending and descending from it. And so it seems to be one of the classifications. Uh, you look at the over in the book of Psalms, over and over it says his angels, his angels, talking about the Lord's angels. And Psalm chapter 91, verse 11 says, For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep uh, thee in all thy ways. I'm glad they're keeping me. Uh, Psalm 103, verse 20, Bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. word. His angels. So God's angels, that's what it's clearly saying. Psalm 104, verse 4, who maketh his angels spirits as ministers of flaming fire. And Psalm 148, verse 2, praise ye him and all his angels, praise ye him, all his host. And so there's certainly a category of angels that belong to God, angels of God, his angels. The Bible certainly makes that clear. So we look at when we're talking about his angels, the unfallen angels, the, the angels of God, some, some breakdown. We saw a little bit of this last week, but... Uh, you go through the Word of God, you're going to find there's really three primary categories mentioned there. There's the cherubim, that's the four-winged angels, and we looked up and read some about these last week, so we won't look up all the scriptures tonight, but, but I want you to know what they're kind of do. If you study them out, and I gave you a bunch of verses to go look at uh, to kind of see what they're doing, they're mentioned 57 times in the Word of God, 56 of them in their Old Testament, and it seems that the cherubim, the four-winged angels, have a duty to protect the throne of God and the things of the Lord. So they're the, the guardians, if you would, of the throne of God that appears from Scripture. You go read those, all those verses, and it seems that's what they're doing in almost every one of them. Then we also saw the seraphim last week, the seraphim, and that was the six-winged angels. Remember in Isaiah, when Isaiah got a glimpse of the throne of God and ended up saying, holy is, holy is, woe is me, and Holy is the Lord, and he saw the seraphim there, the one that had six wings, with, with two they covered their eyes, and the Bible goes on, and with two they flew, and so forth. And, 
and it literally means the burning ones. They're, they're only mentioned twice in Scripture. They're mentioned both times in Isaiah. And they're, they're in the service around the throne of God. And they're, say, they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And, and so you, they're the ones who seem to be in service around the throne. So you think about the cherubim, and you read about all, all that they do, and they're protecting the throne. And then, the, and then you get into the seraphim, and they seem to be actually working and, and serving around the throne of God. And then the Bible mentions one other category that we didn't get to last week, so we might look at some of these, but it just mentions the living creatures or the beast. And these also have six wings. So do this with me. Flip over to Revelation chapter 4 in your Bible, and let's look at, the, look at those because we didn't look at those last week. Revelation chapter 4 with me, and look down verse number, uh, verse number 6. Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 6. We'll get a little more about the, this particular group. Living creatures or beasts, as it's called here. And the Bible says in Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 6, And before the throne there was a sea of glass like in the crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the, beast, uh, and the first beast was like a lion, the second beast was like a calf, the third beast had a face of a man, and the fourth beast is a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which is and was and is to come. And, and when these beasts had given glory and honor and thanks to him, the silent throne who liveth forever. Then the four and twenty-four elders fall down before him, sat on the throne, and worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive all glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. And so these living creatures are beasts. It sounds very similar to the seraphim, doesn't it? Six wings around the throne of God, uh, singing... Holy, holy, holy sounds a lot like what we saw in Isaiah over in the Old Testament. And uh, uh, for that reason, many believe they are the same, uh, that possibly you know, here it's just called a different name in the New Testament, but that was the seraphim. And, and that is definitely a strong possibility for sure. Uh, so some believe they are the same. Some also believe they're, they're different because they had different names and, and because they see them maybe as having different roles. But John saw four of them we saw here and stationed around the throne of God and certainly in the worship of God. And I gave you some more, uh, some more verses there in your notes, I believe, uh, talking about these. Look at Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts, and the four and twenty uh, elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, and which, are, which are the prayers of saints. Revelation 7, 11 uh, says this, And all the angels stood round about the throne, about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the thrones on their faces and worshiped God. In Revelation 19, 4, and the four and 24 elders and the four beasts fell down and worshiped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen, Al, Alleluia. And so over and over and over, we see them around the throne. Are they the same as the seraphims? Very possible. Uh, whatever they are, they, they're just listed different here in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, as a different name. But they're certainly around the throne of God, praising God. And uh, it seems to be their primary purpose is to, 
is to praise the Lord around the throne of God. So, so the specific groups of angels. Now, as we keep going, let's look at this, the specific names. So I asked you last week, could you name some angels? And y'all did good. Y'all nailed, nailed them both. Uh, and the, they're the, the primary ones everybody thinks about. I'll give you another one probably next week, maybe later tonight, but uh, as we look at the fallen angels. But tonight we talk about the angels of God's where we are talking about the angels of God, the specific groups of them, now the specific names. And the first one you would think of would be uh, either Gabriel or Michael, right? Gabriel or Michael, and, and certainly uh, both are in there. So let's look at Michael first. Michael, the archangel, and, and uh, he would be kind of like, I think, the commander-in-chief of the angels. If you think about the hosts of angels, uh, there seems to be some organization uh, around them, and then they seem to have some leaders and so forth as well. But his name here means who is likened unto God. That's what Michael means, by the way. We'll just leave that where it is. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, he, that's why I'm called, that's why my first name was James, apparently, right? And uh, sorry. Uh, uh, he appears to be personally assigned, if you study him out, to the nation of Israel. Michael seems to be assigned to the nation of Israel. If you read Daniel chapter 12, verse number 1, the Bible says, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince uh, which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as, ne as never was since there was a nation even uh, to that same time. And at, I can't get my fingers to work. That's why I use a tablet usually. And at that time, Thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. You study out Michael, he seems to be the, uh, the head honcho, if you would, the, 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 the main fighter, the lead fighter, and uh, the general, if you want to look at it that way. Uh, you read about him, most time you're going to find him in the middle of a battle, in the middle of a conflict, and around about the nation of Israel protecting them. Uh, look at Daniel chapter 10, and verse 13, the Bible says, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. And so here he is helping and fighting. And over in the book of Jude, the Bible says, yet Michael, the archangel, who contended with the devil, uh, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. And here he is again, fighting and taking care of uh, the nation of Israel, in this case, the body of Moses. And Revelation chapter 12, verse 7, the Bible says there's a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels. Yeah. Something to think about. There's a war going on all around us that we don't even see. You can turn on the news, you see war all over this world, but there's a war, spiritual world, war going on around that we can't see. And, uh, and Michael is one of the one of the main fighting angels, as, you, as the Bible appears to show him as you read the verses that talk about him. And then you have Gabriel. Gabriel, one of the other known named angels that most of us would be able to spit out most of the time right away. And, uh, another angel of the Lord here, angel of Jehovah, if you would, or, or an angel of God, one of the, one of the good ones, uh, one of his angels. His name literally means mighty one of God. We often call him the good news angel, right? He's the one who always comes bearing news and usually good news. And, and he's kind of the messenger angel, if you would, throughout scriptures. And we'll look at a couple of places here. Over in the Old Testament, we see him in Daniel 8 and verse 16. The Bible says, And I heard a man's voice between the banks of Uliah, which called and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. And, 
He's there to help understand, uh, help them understand what's going on, the, the messenger of good news. Um, over in Luke chapter 1, verse 19, uh, you think about him coming and to, to tell about the coming of the Lord. It says, And the angel answer, answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. A little later in Luke 1, 26, he goes, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee, named Nazareth, that messenger angel, to tell about uh, the coming of the Lord. And then, then there's another named angel in the Bible all throughout. We looked at this a little bit earlier uh, when we did a, did a study on the Lord Jesus Christ. But, uh, but the angel of Jehovah, or the angel of the Lord, mentioned so many times in the Bible. Gave you a bunch of references there. We certainly won't look all those up tonight but because we've done a little bit of that before. But... Uh, we talked about this, I believe with all my heart when it says the angel of the Lord, the angel of Jehovah, it was the pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, his appearances were only found in the Old Testament. Gave you a bunch of places where he appeared there. Uh, the angel of the Lord in Hagar and the angel of the Lord and it came with Moses at the burning bush and the angel of the Lord when he appeared to Gideon and, and to Manoah and Zechariah's visit of Joshua and uh, uh, Satan and the angel of the Lord all there in uh, Zechariah 3 and how Satan's rebuked by the Lord there. and uh, It's interesting that when you study it out, the angel of the Lord's only mentioned in the Old Testament. How come we don't see the angel of the Lord mentioned in the New Testament? Because he's incarnated. He was Jesus Christ, right? <laughs> so, so in the Old Testament, you think about it, it's the second person of the Trinity, if you would, and he appears as the angel of the Lord. In the New Testament, he came in flesh. And robed himself in flesh. And of course he came to do that. Uh, to, to take our place. And to die on that cross for our sins. And so, so I believe the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. Is, is Jesus Christ in the new. And they're one and the same. And, and, and he was the pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. The angel of Jehovah. Or the angel of the Lord. And so lots of places to look there. So what was the ministry of the angel of the Lord? I want, I want to show you something. I put together a little chart. I think it's pretty cool. You might not like it, but I like it. Sometimes I like seeing things laid out, like a chart format. Uh, so the ministry of the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament as compared to the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament. If I'm proposing to you that, that I believe they're one and the same, then, then let's see if that lines up a little bit. Think about what they did. And, uh, the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament came and revealed God's word to Moses there at the burning bush. That's exactly what Jesus did. Yeah, he, he reveals God's word. And the angel in the Old Testament, the Lord, he calls leaders like Moses and Gideon and Samson to God's service. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He called the disciples and preachers to God's service. Over in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord confirmed the covenant with Abraham over in Genesis 22. It was the angel of the Lord that showed up to do that, the Lord himself. And of course, we know it was Jesus Christ in the New Testament that sealed the new covenant with his blood. And... Uh, and over and over, the same thing. He comforted Hagar over in Genesis 15. And thank God he comforts us too. Amen. And over in Matthew chapter 11. And the angel of the Lord delivered his people. Thank God he delivers us from the wrath to come as well. And then he interceded for Israel. And thank God he is our intercessor. Forever making intercession for you and me. That's what our Lord's doing. And so you compare the two. There's a nice little chart there. And you see, hey, they, they got the same role. And, uh, and I believe it's without mistake because they're, uh, they're the same person doing the same, same stuff. And so we see the angels of God. 
uh, lots of information about them, the angels of God and, and, uh, and their purpose, their ministry, their, their organization, their character, some characteristics about them. And, and so as we, as we get here close to the end, we'll start to look at the other category of angels, not just the angels of God, the, the unfallen angels, but now the angels of Satan, the ones that fell. We'll look into how that fall take, took place more last uh, next week, sorry, more next week as we look at Satan. But I want to look at just kind of as we're doing the categories of angels, put them in tonight so we see that as well. So the Bible calls that. Remember over and over we read about the Lord's angels, his angels, the angels of God before. Now we see another group of angels called the devil's angels, the devil and his angels and identified in scripture and look at matthew chapter 25 verse 41 the bible says there then we shall say unto them uh, on the left hand depart from me ye cursed into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels so god's got his angels and the devil has his angels two different groups we we obviously see and uh, over in jude and and verse six the angels that did not remain loyal to the Lord. We're going to see they're under judgment. The Bible says, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. And so those fallen angels, the angels uh, that left their first estate here, the angels of Satan. And then Revelation 12, verse 7, talks about a, a little more. It says, And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. So here's Michael, the angel of the Lord, and his angels fighting against the dragon or Satan and his angels. A battle going on all around us. Uh, and, and prevailed not, neither was there a uh, place anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, and deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth. And, the, and his angels, not the Lord's angels, but the devil's angels, were cast out with him. Look with me, Revelation chapter, uh, I gave you both of them, Mary, 12, verse 12 and 9. So dragon and his angels versus Michael. We know the angel, uh, the, 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 the angel of the Lord there. And then the devil and Satan and his angels being cast out all through those verses. So the angels of Satan certainly has his own that have fallen. So do they have some, some, some groupings within them? We looked at some of the other groupings, the seraphims and the cherubims and what they did, but what about within Satan's angels, the ones that have fallen? Is there, is there any difference between some of them? Well, Scripture seems to highlight there are two kind of categories. There's some that are free, and there's some that are bound. Let's look at those as we kind of conclude tonight. Free versus bound, talking about Satan's angels. Uh, look at the free ones with me first, and... And these, are, these comprise the army of evil spirits that certainly followed Satan, but they seem to be free in this world to, to function and to carry out Satan's leadings. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 seems to talk about that. It says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Paul warning us, saying, 
hey, the person beside you is not the problem. <laughs> We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. There's, there's a bigger battle going on here. And there, 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 there's the, the Bible calls Satan himself the prince and power of the air in the scripture. And he's got his, his helpers. And, uh, and uh, that's that principalities, if you would, and powers. And, and we're, we're, we're battling against those rulers of the darkness. There's a spiritual battle going on. And so they're, they're free and, and causing some havoc here. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 talks about those as well. We read it earlier, but, and there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon fought against his angels, prevailed not, neither was their place uh, found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, who deserved the word, was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And so they're free to roam around, do what the devil would bid them to do, to do the devil's bidding for them. And and uh, there's the, this host of battle going on. And so uh, we'll see some other names for them here in a minute. They're often called demons. They're called the devil's angels. They're called wicked angels. They're called devils in, in, uh, in the word of God. And so they're free and they're carrying out the devil's work, fighting against God's angels. We've seen that over and over already as we look. But then there's this other group of angels. And the Bible doesn't tell us what they did. But they seem to have done something even worse because they're already bound. Uh, they're already bound. They, they rebelled against God just like Satan did, and we'll see again more about how that happened next week. But, but these particular angels sinned so bad that God didn't let them come down and be free like the free ones are. These are bound. And, and listen to 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. The Bible says, Therefore, if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. There's some literally in a place called hell. The word here that, the, the, that they got the word hell from is a Greek word, Taurus, and it's the only place in the word of God that that word is used, that Greek word is used for hell. It's a place that appears to be a, a prison specifically for bound angels. And they're bound until the judgment, until the great rape turn judgment. And again, we usually call those devils and demons. What did they do was so bad? I don't know. But there are some that are bound, it appears from Scripture, and some that are free. Both serve the devil. And, uh, and both are called many different names. Devils, demons, wicked angels, uh, the devil's angels, so forth, his angels. And we've seen some of those already. And so when you look at that word devils or demons, and they, both, they all come from the Greek word uh, daimonia. I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but... Uh, I guess I did. Never mind. <laughs> they're, they're real beings that, the, that are the angels or agents used to express the hatred to and for God's will. That's what Satan's all about. He hates God, hates God's people, he hates God's will, and he's got his own angels that followed him, and they're, they're there to interrupt all of that the best they can. And so, so are there some specific names? Remember how we looked at the the angels of God, are there some specific names for uh, the fallen angels? And we'll see, look way more into, of course, Lucifer, Satan, uh, more next week. But there is one more I want you to see. And uh, uh, look with me, Revelation chapter 9, verse 11. Did I give you that in your notes? I was trying to abbreviate and shorten stuff, and I don't know if I gave it to you or not. Let me, let me see what you got. Revelation chapter 9, and verse number 11, uh, as we look here at a name. I didn't give it to you. That's all right. Look, flip over and find out though. I want you to see this guy, Abaddon. Abaddon. 
or later in his Greek name is Apollyon. Revelation 9-11 says, And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue was Abinon, but in the Greek tongue his name was Apollyon. And so there's, there's definitely some specific ones. We'll see Lucifer and Satan and all of his other names next week. But there's this other angel named Abaddon that was one of the fallen ones who had a name given in Scripture here that we see that he was the, he was the angel of the bottomless pit. Uh, and, uh, and so we see a little bit about him. Uh, so what do these evil angels do? What's their goal? Well, as you, would, as you would imagine, it's the exact opposite of the goal of God's angels. Uh, their goal is to, their ministries, it relates to Satan. They're, they're helping Satan, just like the, the, like the unfallen angels help the Lord. These fallen angels are helping Satan in every way possible to carry out his plans and his purposes. And I gave you some of that. They're going to be part of gathering the, the, the nations for the Battle of Armageddon. You can read about that in Revelation chapter 16. One of the big things they're going to do there. And so, so they, they oppose the work of God and they oppose uh, the work of good angels. How many times did we already read? And we read some of these verses already. They were battling against Michael. They were battling against the good angels. And, and so they're, uh, they're opposing the work of the good angels. Anything God has, Satan wants to mimic. You can see that all throughout Scripture. And, and uh, here they're just opposing. And, and, of course, they come against us as believers as too. They want to... Uh, oppress us for sure they want to influence us and in some cases even possess us you read about all throughout scripture where they did that uh, so so just thinking about their work and so it leads us to this final question and uh, I don't know if we have time for it but uh, as you get there it, the ministries it relates to Satan and their ministries it relates to others these fallen angels and it leads us to the question should we should we be seeking to cast out demons today that's a real controversial topic today because there's folks who there's there's one in particular uh, preacher who is a very well-known preacher even in our circles who's gone a different route now and he's got what he calls a deliverance ministry is that is that something that the bible would have us doing we certainly know the apostles did right we certainly know jesus did uh is that something for today uh for us and so so just some thoughts there you can go study that and read that I uh, just wanted to give you some of those things that, because you know, again, what we do, let's go to Scripture and let's pull out of Scripture what was going on. Certainly disciples, early church were given the power to cast out demons, perform all those sign gifts and, uh, that happened. Uh, that was definitely needed at the time because how could you authenticate the message or the messenger if you didn't have the completed word of God? Now there's a belief, uh, uh, I would be one of these, a sensationalist, and it literally means when we got the completed word of God, we didn't need all that, because now that's our authority. You go compare whatever's happened, does this line up with the word of God? But before they had that, imagine being an early te New Testament Christian, and how do I know all these people claim to have a word from God? We kind of have a little bit of that today. Today, we can go check the scriptures and say, does that line up? It doesn't line up. I'm not believing that. I'm not following that person. They didn't have that at the time. So how would they know? So God would use some supernatural you know, sign gifts and these, some of these miracles and so forth to prove uh, the message and the, and, and the messenger. And, and they, they routinely had these miracles. And, but then something happened, and, 
and the word of God was completed. And the Bible tells us when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part shall be done away with. And prior to that was all talking about the word of knowledge and revelation and all that. And, and so I believe when the New Testament was completed and we had the word of God, those signed gifts ceased or they faded off because the Bible said they would. And he said, listen, charity will remain forever. But whether it be all these other things, they shall cease, the Bible says. And and the reason would be we wouldn't have a need to authenticate the message because we got the message in the Word of God. And so, so, so if you take that position, or even if you don't, and you go to Scripture and you read out throughout the rest of the New Testament, it's amazing you don't see any more demons being delivered. You don't tell, the Bible doesn't tell us to go uh, cast out demons anymore. But it tells us to stand against the devil. It tells us to resist the devil. Tells us to be sober, be vigilant for your, your adversary, the devil walketh about, to be careful for him, to pay attention. Tells you not to give place for him in your life uh, uh, in Ephesians 4.27. But no more does it tell us about that. Because I think victory today is given by getting saved, first of all. That's number one, right? Having Christ in your life, placing your faith in Christ. And then it tells us about after we get saved, we, we continue that process of sanctification by allowing the Lord to work in us and putting off the ungodly habits, putting on the godly habits, and, and being renewed in the spirit of our mind. And my Bible still says that if I walk in the spirit, say yes to the spirit, and not in the flesh, say no to the flesh, that I shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I can have victory in this life. And so, um, so is that a, a nice debatable area? I believe, they've, I believe that ministry has ceased, but uh, others believe it still goes on. Yeah, and I, I'm not throwing stones at them. Something for you to really think about, though. Um, why wasn't that carried on throughout the rest of the New Testament? Because I believe God's given us everything we have that we need to, uh, to be victorious over those things if we follow his word. So, Father, we sure do love you tonight, and thank you for our time together. Thank you for those ministering spirits, Lord for the angels of God that minister unto us, that protect us, watch over us, that lead us, that guide us, that have revealed to us much of, Lord, what is yet to happen in the word of God and that, that you promised it's coming in the end times. Lord, I, I thank you that we appear to all have one, Lord, or at least maybe even multiples. And, and Lord, thank you for those ministering spirits. Lord, we know they're in battle, though. There's, the devil has his own, and, and there's, there, there's these fallen angels, Lord, and these demons, these devils that, that, that choose to, Lord, to, that hate you, that hate those that love you and hate the work of God, that are battling against everything. But Lord, I'm thankful for the end of the story. I'm thankful we know what their ultimate home is going to be. Lord, you're going to cast them one day, the word of God says, and the, the devil and all of his angels, Lord, into the lake of fire to be forever victorious and lord i believe we can your bible teaches us even today though before that even happens that we can be overcomers lord that that if we walk in the spirit lord we we can have victory we can resist we can lord do um keep the devil not give him place in our lives lord by keeping you preeminent in our lives and we thank you for that and we thank you lord for just the promises of the word of god we thank you for those ministering spirits we've studied Lord, that, that help us as we walk this, this walk, trying to serve you. And we just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right.